I, to uh, Judges, to Samuel chapter 16. <laughs> We're going back to Judges tonight. I'm just going to preach this little old simple thing. Judges. What did I say, Samuel? I said both. Samson. I meant to say Samson, not Samuel. I'm sorry. I want to say to those online tonight, we're thankful for you. You really encourage us, those of you listening online. Those of you that comment, you encourage us. We appreciate you being with us. Hope we can be a blessing to you. I want to say again that the team, the Tent Revival team is ready, willing, and able to hold revivals. And I want to encourage you that are listening online to, uh, uh, if the Lord puts it on your heart, to have a revival in your area, start praying about it, get a hold of us. We'll, we'll probably send somebody in there on the front team or front group to make sure to get everything in order, get everything lined up for as, as, uh, the plan of getting it done. But if you're interested in having tent revival, get a hold of us. Pray for camp this week. Camp is starting in the morning. Pray for camp. God's really just been moving down there and helping, and it's been such a blessing. I want to give you something tonight you, you, are, you already know, just to help you. One of the reasons I'm going to, Tim stood up a while ago and testified about that he feels like, you know, he's trying to do better in leading his family. Uh, there's a man who listens online. I'm not going to mention his name. He'll probably know I'm talking about him. I talked to him on the phone twice here, not too long in the time, and he's talked to me about, I'm pretty sure a while back, about having family devotion and praying with your wife. And he's been praying with his wife. And he said, you know, and they just, what a blessing it's been. And, and, and if he misses, why well, his wife gently reminds him that they need to have prayer together. Yesterday morning, no, not yesterday morning, Friday morning, I went out to mill and I, I was, had a lot of stuff in my head I wanted to get done. And I don't know, things that happened. And, and Karen and I, nearly every morning, we read two chapters together and have prayer together and then we take off. I don't know. Somehow or another, I come back inside, and I'd been up early a long time, and I said, honey, we're just, we won't have reading this morning. I'm going to go out there and get at it. I got so much to go and stuff like that. And I went out there, and I had the worst day. I lost my religion six times. I got saved six times. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And about halfway through it, guess what I thought about? You left the house and you thought, oh, you just didn't need to have prayer with her and you didn't need to take time to read your Bible. So guess what? We're going to waste half the morning because you thought your stuff was important. So if that's any encouragement to you, uh, I fail too. Amen. But uh, in Judges chapter 16, Judges chapter 16 and about, oh, let's go to verse number 19. uh, He had told her all his heart. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Years ago, when I preached through, through, Sam, through the life of Samson, I preached this. And you can go to sermonaudio.com or probably get it over here in the deal. And I preached it like a wild man. I ain't going to preach it like a wild man. Now, that I have calmed down considerably. Okay. But the message is called, A Haircut from Hell. All right. This haircut from hell has three applications, and I'm only going to preach on one of them tonight. The application I'm going to preach tonight is a personal application of how Satan gives you and me haircuts. He had seven locks. And she put him to sleep, and she had a guy come in, and he cut his seven locks off. And you can read it there. It says, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. 
And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Lord, help us to feed the flock of God tonight and be an encouragement to them. And to the end, Lord, that our lives might glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to avoid all the introduction to it, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you this before we get going. There's three applications to this. The first application is what we're going to do tonight. And that's the individual. You can get a haircut from hell as an individual. Second of all, tonight, a church can be, get a haircut from hell. I won't preach that tonight. And then thirdly, a nation. And this whole illustration that God gives here, this story, is a picture of how Satan destroys the power, the spiritual power of an individual, of a church, and of a nation. And tonight, we're going to look at the individual application, and I'm going to start off real quick. There are seven locks. Anybody got a pair of scissors? Nobody's got any scissors. Well, I was going to have somebody cut up here and set, and I was going to cut while I preach. <laughs> Nobody wants me to do that, do they? All right, but just imagine tonight that there are seven, now he's got seven locks. Remember that. Now, I'm just going to throw a little bit to you, even about the church. <clears throat> Watch this. Anybody know what that's a symbol of? The candlestick. How many is there on there? Whoop, I need one more. I'm sorry. How many branches? Seven. There's, there's seven branches because this centerpiece is also called a branch. It is a picture of the Spirit of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 11... It gives you these seven aspects of the Spirit of God. They're listed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And what happens is, in the church, Satan will come in and he will cut these off. And the church has lost its power and its light. Okay? I may preach on that another time. Tonight I want to do a very simple thing to tell you. Now I'm going to tell you something. I've had a haircut from hell. Individually. And I will tell you how it works, and it's going to be so, you'll say, because it ain't going to be nothing you ain't never heard. Number one, if you want to write these down, Satan will cut the lock of prayer off your life. What, what did he lose from that haircut? He lost his power and the presence of the Lord in his life. And when you let prayer be cut off of your life, you're going to be powerless. The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Bible said if you pray in secret, he'll reward you openly. The Bible said that, that Jeremiah call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. 
I am telling you this. First John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, we know that we have the petition that we've asked. If Satan can cut the lock of prayer off of your individual life, I'm telling you, he's going to render you powerless. By the way, can I tell you further, as he begins to cut, he'll, he'll, he'll blind you to the need of prayer. You'll think, well, I don't need to pray. Be like me the other morning. I'm too busy. What did what, what Satan do the other morning to me? He cut the lock of prayer off of me. And I want to encourage you. If I was you, I'd write these down and I'd put me a seven-fold deal on there and I'd say, I am not letting Satan give me a haircut out of hell. He'll take the, 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 uh, the, 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 the Bible says, let us come to the throne of grace that we may obtain help in time of trouble. Find grace and help, obtain help in time of trouble. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the principle of crying out to God. This poor man cried and the Lord brought him and this man out of all of his troubles. And I want to ask you a simple question. I ask it to myself. Have I had the lock of prayer cut off my head? Have I went to sleep? On Delilah's lap, spiritually, and, and I'm not praying anymore. Most people go to church more than they pray. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. You say, I'm going to tell you the result of this. Satan blinds you, then he'll bind you, and then your life will be a grind. Church will become a grind. Your spiritual walk will become a grind. Your spiritual duties will become a grind. Instead of living for the Lord with joy and gladness and hope and enthusiasm about the work of God, it's just, that's Sunday again. We're going to go to church again and we're going to go through the motions again. And it's just, it's just a grind. I'm telling you, I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you allowed Satan to cut the lock of prayer off of your life? If he has, you're in the middle of a haircut from hell. Number two, the lock of Bible reading. The Bible says meditate in the Word of God. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. Meditate day and night. Thy word is truth. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. On and on the Bible. It's totally contingent. It's the book of life. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But if you're not careful, the devil's come in and he's cut the lock of prayer off your life. Cut Bible reading off your life. I want to ask you a question. Are you reading your Bible? Really, honestly. Let's look at the third one. As far as Bible reading goes, Psalms 119.05 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How can I get, how can I know how to live and walk and do in my life if I'm not reading the word of God? If it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, how am I going to, how am I going to know how to walk if I'm not reading the Bible? Psalms 119.130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. Proverbs 6.23 says that the commandments is a lamp and the law is a light. Isaiah 34.16 says, Seek you out the book of the Lord and read. John 5, 39 says, search the scriptures. Acts 17, 11 says, they search the scriptures. Matthew 22, 29, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. God's saying, if you don't know the scriptures, you're going to have power cut off your life. 
I'm telling you that these are simple. These are simple things. These are not some kind of theological big deal. or some big mistress to your thing in the Bible. But if you're not careful, life is so, so, so many, we're not careful. It's prayer. Bible reading has been cut off of our life. Jesus said in John, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Here's the third thing that's been cut off. And that's fasting. Most people don't have a clue in the world what's going on. Average Christian church now in America has no idea about fasting. Jesus said, fast in secret. He said, I'll reward you openly. Isaiah, I want you to write this down. Read Isaiah 58. It's the Old Testament chapter on fasting. Fasting is power in it. You often won't see it in the time frame that you think you'll see it. But fasting is so critical. It breaks the yokes, the, the big things that need to be done, hard things, great spiritual warfare. Jesus said the disciples, watch this, they were going to cast a demon out of a guy, they couldn't do it, and the devil out of a guy, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, this kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. We've had fasting cut off of our churches, we ain't got no power. Amen. I want to encourage you tonight, Has that, have, you, have you been at the devil's barbershop, have you had your hair cut? Cut your prayer life off, cut your Bible reading off, cut your fasting off. You're going to have no power. Church won't have no power. I, could sh- I, I won't do it tonight. But when I, if I ever go into this second application and show you how Satan gives a church a haircut, it'll knock your socks off. That's why churches ain't going to, that's why you got to substitute power all over the country because this power has been shorn away from the devil has literally cut the locks of power off, off of the church. Isaiah, I want you to go to Isaiah 58 with me. Go to, just hang there, Isaiah 58. I want to show you the power of fasting. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Everybody get me? He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. By the way, can I tell you this? One of the most healthy things you can do is fast. Clean your system out just for health purposes, nothing else. But Isaiah chapter 58, and uh, go there, go down now to verse number six. Or verse number five, Isaiah 58, verse number five. Is this such a fast that I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? And the obvious answer there is no. You know what God is saying? I don't want you to start fasting and do like the Pharisees. This is what Jesus dealt with. He said, you fast and you want everybody to know you're fasting. And you want to try to make everybody think you're spiritual by fasting publicly and, and, and openly. Jesus said, when you fast, you fast in secret. There's three things you do in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, secret. Pray, fast, and give. All of them will be done in secret, okay? Jesus is saying here, you started fasting so you can be seen of people that makes you look like you're super spiritual, and that's not going to work, all right? This is what Jesus said. Anoint, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? He said, anoint yourself. He said, go up. In other words, Go to work, put your clothes on, smile. Don't go around like, hey, don't bother me, I'm fasting today. Don't do that. Don't go around and say, what's wrong with you today? Well, I'm fasting. Jesus said, don't do that. Anoint yourself. Put a smile on your face. Go on about your work and do a good job. And don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Look at verse number six. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Here's what God's chosen fast is. Number one. He said, if you'll fast, it'll loose the bands of wickedness. Wickedness binds people. It puts bands upon them. He said, you can do that. Number two, undo the heavy burdens. You got a heavy burden? Fast. Number three, let the oppressed go free. You're under oppression. You can have free, be freed from that. Number four, break every yoke. This is the power of fasting. It's no wonder Satan does not want us to fast. Say amen right there. Yeah. 
please you help me a little bit tonight because it's just a flat truth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. For, for years, I fasted every Monday. I haven't done it now for about three years. I, I don't know why I quit it. I did. But for years, I fasted every Monday. You can ask my wife. And God honors fasting. But I've not been fasting. I've had a haircut. And I'm going to try to get back to it. Number, verse number seven. When you're fasting, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? Fasting will give you a burden and a, a compassion and a feeling for other people. Number six, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, thou cover him. That thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. You don't lie about, you're honest about your own flesh condition. Then look, I want you to look at the rewards of fasting in verse number eight. Please, please look at this. If you guys could put that up on the board, it'd just be great. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. This is what fasting does. Does anybody understand why Satan would want to cut this out of your life? Does it make sense why Satan would want to fight you on fasting? So he wants to cut off your prayer life, cut off your Bible reading life, cut off your fasting life, and make us powerless. Thy light shall break forth as the morning. Look at the next thing. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Fasting. How many knows when they take you in the hospital and put you in the ring, put you in the ring, put you in the bed. I sold too many sales. They put you in the bed. How many knows one of the first things they do to you is they take a, a IV and put in you. Does anybody know what's going on? I don't care what's going on with you. They put an IV in you. Does anybody know why? They put you on a fast. The very first thing they do is empty your belly. And let your body start healing itself. So that the blood, watch this, so that your blood can go for the healing and not for the digestion. Your body is either using the power of its blood to digest food or to heal. And one of the things that medical knows that if they put you on a fast, your own blood is far more possible for your own blood to begin a healing process. You can like it or not. You can say I'm wrong. I don't care. You can be wrong if you want to. <clears throat> he said, thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteous. By the way, how many knows this, that a dog that is sick or hurt will fast on its own? Yeah. It will. Most animals will go on that voluntary fast once if they recognize and they're injured or anything. Why? They want the blood to go to the healing. It's something God put in them. <clears throat> Thy righteousness shall go before thee. God says, if you fast with the right reasons, the right attitude, the right motives, and do it secretly, he said that your righteousness, that the, his righteousness in you will go before you. All right? The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. A re-reward is what's coming behind you. When the children of Israel were going through, from, out of Egypt through, across uh, the wilderness, God said that the re-reward, that's what was behind them, was guarding them. You know what he's saying? God says, I'll have your back. Amen. Amen. I'll have your back. <clears throat> Look at verse number nine. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Fasting affects your prayer life. Yeah. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If thou take away from thee the mist of the yoke and the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. <clears throat> now don't get mad at me tonight, Okay. Eli, the Bible says, was heavy. 
And when he fell over, he broke his neck, the pressure. You know what happened to him? <clears throat> the Bible tells you. He got lazy. He got fleshly in that he just ate all the stuff that was brought to the deal. They, him and his boys ate like kings. And the fat was to go to God. If you know your Bible and the offerings. And Eli, <clears throat> whenever Hannah came to pray, what did he say? You're drunk. You know what he's doing? He's pointing out everybody else's faults. But God said, if you'll fast, what happens in fasting is discipline. And not only will it discipline personal areas, it will also discipline you about the way you treat other people. <clears throat> he said, putting forth the finish, and speaking vanity. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, verse 10, satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. Spiritual light comes to people that fast. It's no wonder Satan wants to cut that off of our life. Look at verse number 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Look at the next thing. Satisfy thy soul in drought. Hey, you can be going to a church as dead as a rock, but if you're fasting, praying, reading your Bible, yeah. you'll have light. Everybody else, it, it can be dry, but you'll be satisfied in the middle of a drought. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. This is old, this old time Bible preaching, old simple stuff about daily life. Ain't nothing theological. You know, I never got nothing to seminary because I never went there. <laughs> <clears throat> Make fat thy bones. That's important. You need fat bones. Fat bones, your bones produce your blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Fat bones makes you strong. <clears throat> Look at the next thing. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Oh, I got to just tell you. Uh, Karen and I, one year, I got all wound up. I don't know how, but I built a waterfall right out there from the from our backside of our house right out there in her water deal. And, but I didn't do it right. I'm so smart. I don't need to ask anybody else how to do nothing. Well, that really paid off. And it wouldn't hold water. Boy, it's a beautiful waterfall. Man, that water coming out of there, I had a two-inch deal. I just loved that thing. I loved that thing. Well, it wouldn't hold water. And I was having to fill that pond with water every couple of days. Well, it's been sitting out there in there for a long time, and I thought about just tearing it all down. But here recently, I don't know, I got a holy umper or something. We're going to build a new waterfall. I got my son-in-law coming, and we're going to build a new waterfall, and it's going to be done right. It's going to hold water, and I'm putting me in a little bitty creek. It runs about 150 feet down through it and another little pond. And every day of my life, and I'm going to put me a verse out there on the thing about the fountain of God and the water of life. And every day I look out there, I'm going to be reminded of the Holy Spirit of God like a river within you. Amen. I like running water. Amen. You get that pretty soon. Besides that, I'll put fish in there and kill them and eat it. Amen. But anyway, <laughs> no, I won't do that. But I like springs. Karen and I yesterday, we got in the side-by-sides. Please forgive my student. I, I know I'll probably bore you something. I've heard this guy 42 times. Go. I don't know. If you need to find if you need 42 times. <sighs> anyway, Karen and I jumped in the side-by-side yesterday, and we took off, and I, I knew a place. Ben and Hannah and Nathan and Sarah, I do not know why we did not do this when you were little. But we went down there. It, I guess we was too busy milking cows and putting up hay and getting you going around in that tractor. But we went down there to Fox Creek. That spring. 
That had been the neatest place. It would took us five minutes to go down there when you was kids. And that water coming out of that bluff, oh, I took that water and throwed it all over my face. So all you grandkids, Mama and Papa is going to take you down there to the spring. We're going to play, all right? You, you let your folks go on and work. We're going to have fun. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I love springs. And then we went down to Van Spring. Now, as a boy, we used to drive cattle, and we'd stop off at that spring and get us a drink. I love springs. And God said there that if you're fast, you'd be like a spring of water coming up in your heart and your life. It's no wonder Satan wants to rob us and cut our spiritual hair off because he doesn't want us having that vibrance, that joy, that, that blessedness of the water of life flowing. You know, it, it, it might even take the scowl off our face. It might even take the off our face. It might even make us sing just a little bit sweeter and a little bit more enthusiastic. Amen? Let me just tell you about the Holy Spirit. God saved you by his spirit. You're born of the spirit and you're going to live by spirit and you need a great big dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And I need a great big dose of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, well, anyway, I wasn't going to do that, but I'll be fasting look down there look at verse number 12 they shall, that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places Raise, who? people that fast raise up the foundation of many generations thou shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of paths to walk in and he goes on to do that if thou turn thy foot away from the Sabbath and doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath of the light I know you ain't going to like this but I'm going to tell you something and all the time I was growing up not one time did I say to Karen, you going to church because I've got hay to bail. I don't tell you, let that hay burn. You come to church. You're te- you're, you know what you're teaching your kids? That God's more important than anything. That's right. I'm just being honest with you. I'd encourage you. There's something to this business about setting a day aside for God. There really is. Anyway. Uh, the holy of the Lord, honorable, thou shalt honor him. Not doing thine own ways or finding thine own pleasure or speaking thine own words. Look at verse number 14. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob. And I understand, folks, he's talking to Israel here, but he's talking about the principle of fasting. And I believe that we can apply that to our lives. And I'll tell you something. I don't tend for the devil. Give me a haircut, AJ. Well, here's the next lock you'll cut off. I'll do it over here. Serving. And I'm going to do slash giving. Because serving is giving. It's giving of your life. It might be giving of your labor that you worked that week and giving to the, to the work of the Lord. Or it might be physical work that you do for the church. But I'm going to tell you something. If the devil can cut this off your life, can I tell you, you were born to serve the Lord. You were born, created to serve the Lord. And if the devil can cut and he, and he gets you to where it's all about you and all about yours and not serving God and putting God first in your life, he has cut something very... Matthew 6.33, can anybody quote it? Danny, that's not the verse I'm thinking. Maybe I get the wrong reference. Matthew 6.33... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How much, wait a minute, we better check that out in Hebrew and Greek, don't you think? That's too hard to understand. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
You know, he said, serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you something, Ronnie. You put God first in your life, you'll never regret it. And the older you get, the gladder you'll be. Amen. Serve him. Figure out a way that you can serve God. And by the way, that may be just raising your kids. But figure out a way to serve God. Chase serving, not money. Chase serving, not money. Lay your treasures up in heaven where stuff doesn't, you don't lose it. Amen. It's no wonder the devil wants to cut this off of your life. He wants to rob you of eternal treasures. If he can, rob, if he can cut this lock off of your head, he's cheated you out of eternal blessings. Is this stuff making sense tonight? He wants to, he wants to give you a haircut. Chop, chop, cut prayer off. Chop, chop, cut your Bible reading off. Chop, chop, cut fasting off. Chop, chop, serving off. Here's one he really likes to chop off. Witnessing. You don't cut that off your life. You don't give nobody a track. You don't give nobody nothing. You don't talk, never talk to nobody about their soul. <clears throat> Listen to me. If you let Satan cut that off of your life, you will get so bored with church, it won't even be funny. Right. Are you listening to me? You better get involved in witnessing somehow or another. Amen. You better get involved in telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Some way or another, get involved in that. Because if you don't, your Christianity will become a grind. It'll be, your engine will blow up on you. It'll just be a grind. What am I going to church for? What am I doing this for? Folks, listen. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that wins souls is wise. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm all excited about this mission trip to Mexico. I think it's going to do something for some people here in this church. I think it'll help you. I'm all excited about the tent revival. I'm excited about everything we're doing to get the gospel up because I know that witnessing is the heart of God. The last thing Jesus said was go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why, Weston, I told you to go preach the coyotes. It'll help you. Every creature. <laughs> okay. Wouldn't you like to get your coyotes saved down your neck of the woods? Quit killing your chickens. Mark 5, watch this here. Mark 5, 19. Jesus just got through saving a man that had 2,000 devils in him. A man who broke chains. A man who ran around naked in the cemetery. That scared me to death. Man, I drive down by the cemetery. There's a naked man out there breaking chains and cutting, and cutting himself. I mean, this guy, this guy's mean. Ain't nobody messing with him. Jesus saves him. And then Jesus said, now I want you to go to church Sunday. What do you tell him? Go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. The first thing God said to do to a man that got saved is go home and tell your friends what the Lord done for you. Can I tell you something? Some of you would get an old time Holy Ghost gut umption in you and love somebody enough this week to tell somebody that scares you to death about Jesus and what he, how he saved you. You'd come back next church. You'd come running in here Wednesday night. God help me. God help me. Witnessing will cause you to run to the Lord for power and run to the Lord for strength. But I want to ask you tonight, has the devil cut that off your head? You had your hair cut already? Don't witness nobody? 
Acts 1 said, he didn't say, you might be. He said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. He didn't say, you might. He said, ye shall be. But when? After you receive power, you shall receive power. What did he lose when his hair was cut? Power. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Not might, you will be. But what Satan wants to do? He wants you and I to have that cut, cut that lock off, cut prayer off, cut Bible reading off, cut fasting off, cut serving, and cut witnessing off your life. Now I'm going to give you one you ain't going to like. I'm going to write it down here where nobody can see it. No. He will cut discipline out of your life. This is a lot bigger than most people think. And when I say discipline, I'm talking about early rising and I'm talking about uh, diet. Now I just preach myself under conviction. Satan wants you to be lazy. He wants you to be a glutton. He don't want you to be disciplined. And when I say discipline, I'm talking about conducting yourself, guarding your heart, watching what you say, watching what you're doing so that you don't blaspheme the name of the Lord. Discipline your life. Do you know why a lot of uh, black people, black men in prison are being converted to Islam is because for the first time in their life they've been given a discipline program. Those Islamic preachers come in there and they, they, don't, they don't need it. They just tell me, well, you, you know what they'll say? You'll never make a good Muslim. And you say, well, why not? Because you're not disciplined. And they'll say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you become a Muslim five times a day, you're going to drop on your knees and pray to Allah whether anybody's around, whether 16 white people looking at you or not. You look look stupid up here tomorrow, but you're going to drop on your knees and pray five times a day. And they'll do it. And all of a sudden, that guy's going, man, ain't nobody told me to be disciplined before. I just always done what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And if I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do it. That's why a lot of people love the military. First time anybody ever told them when they're going to get up and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. God wants you to be, think about what, what did Jesus call, did Jesus call 12, I'll do it whenever I feel like people? What did he call? 12 disciples, men that are disciplined. I'm just going to tell you, if you're going to be worth a flip nickel for God, you're going to have to get up in the mornings and you may have to go to bed at night. See, you're talking about early rising. Every great man in the Bible got up early in the Old Testament. Read it. Every great man in the Bible got up early. Now, if you're working till 4 o'clock in the morning, I understand you can't get up early. I'm not talking about that. But to get, for me to get up early, i got to go to bed early. I can't sit around and watch Lulu and the, and the Hulus, whoever that might be, till 11 o'clock at night. And I will tell you something. If you get up in the morning, you'll get more. If you get up early, you'll get more done by 11 o'clock, then you dream, then you get all day if you get up at 830. That's the truth. This lost people are more disciplined than Christians by and large in this country. Sad to say people who make no profession of faith are more disciplined. Jesus 
taught discipline. And you need to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit. We can call, you may want to call it self-discipline if you want to, but I'd rather call it discipline by the Bible. Holy Spirit discipline. I'm going, watch this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to fast. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give. I'm going to witness. I'm going to be a disciplined person, and I'm going to get up, and I'm not going to waste my life. I'm going to make every day count for Jesus' sake. Amen. Witnessing. Early rising. Paul said, they're just all kinds of it. Uh, there's a lot of things that's not necessarily terrible, but they're just not real profitable. Right. Just being honest, there's things you can do that's maybe not so much wrong with it, but it's just a waste of your time. Right. And then the last one is this right here. And I'll just write it here, number seven. And this is here the devil wants to make sure he'd clip you good. Meditation, and I was going to, and memorization of the word. You see, it's one thing to, to read your Bible, it's another thing to meditate in your Bible, to meditate on the Word of God, and then it's a whole other thing to memorize the Word of God. When you memorize the Word of God, there's something special will go on. The Holy Spirit will do because of your commitment to that. Not only, let me tell you why. What's this preacher supposed to do? Get up and tell you funny stories? What's this preacher supposed to do? What's the Bible say a preacher supposed to do? Preach the word. I want to ask you all a personal question. And just all I ask you to do is be very, very honest. Many of you have heard a lot of preachers. I have quite a few verses memorized, not near what I should have. I can half quote a lot of them. But I want to ask you an honest question. When a preacher is preaching and he quotes the Bible and you're listening, what does it, does that do anything for you? And if it doesn't, I don't care. You don't have to, I all want you to be honest. But when a preacher is preaching and he's just, Quoting and quoting and quoting. He's hammering in his point by verses. How many has realized there's power in that? There's power in that. Yeah. It validates authority. It It just has power. That's why, remember Samson, a picture of us, believer, who's had his hair cut. If the devil can cut out of your life, memorization and meditation of Scripture... He's going to render you powerless. And here's one way he'll do that. There'll be situations come up in your life and you know the Bible's against it and it's wrong, but you don't know where it's at. And if somebody kind of challenges on it, you say, well, I know it's in the Bible somewhere. Well, where? And I'm just going to be honest with you. My personal experience is for me, the most powerful preachers I've ever heard are men who can just get up and they've got a point and they just, they'll bring in about five or six verses and quote them. They don't even look down. They don't even look down. They just bam, bam, bam. They quote. You got another point. Bam, bam, bam. They quote. Another point. Bam, bam, bam. They quote. There's something about that that God says, I'm in this. And not to, not to beat anybody with or nothing like that. It's just that we have power. Because how many would think that 
the Lord is, the Holy Spirit is going to honor his word and give power where his word is proclaimed. We've got too many three points in a poem. It's amazing how many sermons are being preached in America and they don't have but one or two verses in the whole sermon. Now I'm all for illustrations and illustrations are very important, but they are no substitute for Bible illustrations and for the quoting of the scripture. So that's the seventh one. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Psalms chapter one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sin, nor sin and sin is corner, but his delight is where? And he does what? And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, the question tonight is this, and I, I'm not sitting up here with my, looking down my nose at you. But I've been around all this all week studying. It's like the Lord said, hey, Reggie, hey, Reggie, why don't you think about something for a little bit? Have you had prayer cut off? Have you had Bible reading, fasting, serving, giving, witnessing, discipline, meditation, memoration? If you get that cut off your life, you're in big trouble. Powerless. How many would agree? You're in trouble. And this is not to beat you or say, you sorry, low down people, why don't you do this? That's not it. I got some locks missing tonight. Okay. Now tell me the last thing I read about Samson. What's the last thing I read about him? His hair began to grow again. What's that teach you? How long does it take hair to grow? How many's ever watched hair grow? <laughs> well, it may take a little time, but get at it. You want know to do? I, before I leave this church tonight, I'd have these seven things written down. I say, I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not sleeping on Delilah's lap. I'm not letting somebody come in and cut the locks of power off my life. I am going to do these simple things. They're not some supernatural, huge, big deal. They're just prayer. Read your Bible, fast, serve the Lord, give, witness, be disciplined, and meditate in the Word of God. Amen. Memorize some verses. You memorize one verse a week, 52 weeks, you'll have 52 verses you memorize. And God will have power in your life. It's not just, it's not about, oh, I've got spiritual power. Power, You know what I need right now? I need power to control my mind, my words, my thoughts. I need power to love people. I need power just to keep going, to keep serving. I need God's power. And if I let the devil cut my power off, I'm going to be a grinder. Let's stand.